You're listening to The Whatcom Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce program in partnership with KGMI. Good morning and welcome to The Whatcom Report here on KGMI News Talk 790. Our show this morning is all about water, private wells, and water rights. If you remember, a few years ago, the legislature took action which resulted in the lifting of the well moratorium in Whatcom County, albeit with new limitations on water usage for private residential wells. The Department of Ecology has requested funding for a process called water adjudication, or a legal way of determining who has water rights for our county. The potential for a lengthy and costly water adjudication process has many concerned, including farmers, business owners, homeowners, and landowners. This is an issue that could fundamentally change the economy of our county. What is it all about, and what are the issues? Well, you have to keep listening as we talk with an expert in water law and the pending water adjudication. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Contractors, developers, building owners. If your project needs fire sprinkler installation, call Columbia Fire. Marty Boonstra here with Columbia Fire, your true one-stop shop for fire sprinkler design, installation, and maintenance. We've protected the Northwest for over 35 years, and we always put our clients first. You name it, we've done it. Schools, office buildings, industrial, and residential, too. For fire sprinkler installation, get on our schedule today at ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. This is Under Sheriff Doug Chadwick with the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office. We continue to get reports of scammers impersonating local law enforcement officers over the phone demanding payment for alleged offenses like missing jury duty or something similar. They might claim you have a warrant for your arrest. Often, they are very demanding and can be quite convincing. Let me be clear, we will never call you and demand money or any other type of payment. If you receive one of these calls, please hang up. Be well and be safe. A message from the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office and the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report. My name is Mary Kay Robinson, and I'm a realtor with Windermere Real Estate here in Whatcom County and one of the hosts of the Whatcom Report. The purpose of the Whatcom Report is to connect our community to the issues that affect Whatcom County. To this end, the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce presents this program on a weekly basis to talk about the subjects that affect business in our area. Your Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce is committed to creating a strong local economy, promoting the community, providing networking opportunities, representing the interests of business with government, and facilitating factually grounded dialogue with business. For more information about the Chamber, go to bellingham.com or call 360-734-1330. My guest this morning is Bill Clark, an attorney and policy director for Washington Realtors. He provides legislative and legal services for a variety of businesses, utilities, local governments, and nonprofit organizations. He also works with the Whatcom County Agricultural Groups regarding water adjudication and the impacts to the agricultural industry. He's a former member and chair of the Washington State Pollution Control and Shorelines Hearings Boards, which heard appeals of state and local permit decisions. Bill is a graduate of Whitman College and the University of Montana Law School. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mary Kay. Nice to be here with you this morning. That's great. Well, I'm glad we were able to chat today. I want it, this is a big issue. So let's let's first go back a little bit and give some background on the water issues in Whatcom County as it's been for the last few years. Briefly, can you review how the Hearst case came to be, the decision by the courts, and the legislative action taken, and where we are now? Sure. So the Hearst case, as people will remember, um, originated out of Whatcom County 
It was an appeal to the Growth Management Hearings Board, and it raised the question of whether the county's comprehensive plan and their development regulations were correctly determining water availability for new housing in areas where people would have to drill a new exempt well uh, to get a building permit. And the quick summary of the so-called exempt well statute is, under Washington water law, um, all surface water uses need a permit from the state, but for groundwater uses, certain small uses are exempt from needing a permit. And so domestic use, meaning you know, use by a house that's less than 5,000 gallons per day is a so-called exempt well. Um, Whatcom County was allowing people to continue to drill exempt wells and use that water supply to qualify for a building permit. The Hearst case raised the question of whether or not those exempt wells were, in fact, a lawful source of water because of a Department of Ecology regulation adopted in 1985 that set a minimum in-stream flow level for the Nooksack River. Um, the case ultimately went through the Growth Management Hearings Board, ultimately to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court found that Whatcom County was improperly allowing new exempt wells to be drilled as the source of water for rural residential development because those new wells were impairing or impacting the in-stream flow adopted by ecology. Um, I felt, and a number of other people did, that that was an incorrect decision by the state Supreme Court, because when ecology adopted their in-stream flow rule, that in-stream flow rule did not apply to exempt wells, and under the water code, counties, or cities for that matter, don't have any authority to determine impairment of water rights. The impairment decision is made only by Department of Ecology for permitted water rights. There's no impairment decision for exempt water rights. Because of that decision, it called into question the ability of anyone in basins around the state with an ecology in-stream flow rule to drill a new exempt well, which they need to do to get a building permit. And so for a period of time, it shut down a lot of new building permit activity. It shut down real estate transactions until the legislature took action to functionally reverse that part of the Hearst decision. Right, and that was, what, 2018? That was, yeah, the decision was like 2016. It actually took two legislative sessions for the legislature to figure out the legislation and pass it, and then it ultimately passed in 2018, I believe. Right, and and what's been proposed, so we'll clarify, the, the, the counties were to submit a plan to... Okay the the state regarding how we were because the legislature put in the quote the fix they fixed it so we could move on and build homes yeah and, i mean the, the yeah the essence of the legislation is i think one it it corrected one of the i think incorrect conclusions in the supreme court's decision that it's the job of counties or of cities under the growth management act to review new wells for impairment and it made clear that that's ecology's job. It's not the job of cities and counties. Cities and counties need to comply with whatever limitations are adopted by Department of Ecology as to the availability of water. And so if in an ecology in-stream flow rule, if ecology says there's no water available even for new exempt wells, cities and counties have to be consistent with that because it's the state's job, it's Department of Ecology's job to regulate water, and cities and counties need to be consistent with that. To, to offset impacts of new exempt wells as they're drilled in rural areas of Whatcom County or in other parts of the state, because the Hearst legislation was a statewide bill, there was a process put into place where within each watershed, so within the Nooksack watershed, for example, um, a specified group that included ecology, tribes, the development community, agriculture, fish and wildlife, et cetera, would identify projects that would offset the amount of water being used by new exempt wells so that there was not, you know, so there wasn't an impact in stream flows and that it achieved a standard called net ecological benefit. So you can think of it kind of as a as an aggregated or kind of sub-basin-wide mitigation program to offset whatever the impacts of those new exempt wells will be for the next 20 years. Right. And there was uh, the, the why we're one, the water resource inventory area is what we're um, called in yep. Nooksack. Um, that group came up with a list of uh, projects to mitigate the usage of water, um, that, and that was submitted to the county, but it didn't 
wasn't a, it wasn't passed on. The county did not approve. And yeah, it, correct. So so to approve in, in the bills, you know, a very, very complicated bill, and it has differences in different basins around the state. So the way the Hearst legislation is implemented, it's implemented differently in, you know, the Nooksack Basin, which had a 1985 in-stream flow regulation, than it is implemented in the Eniat Basin over by Lake Chelan, for example. There are these, a lot of local differences are reflected in the, in the legislation. But you can think about it that the future impacts of exempt wells for rural domestic use have to be offset by projects. There is also the question of um, would there be a plan that all of the local parties agreed to or not? If the local parties agreed to the plan, which which could include a gallon per day limit on new exempt wells, if there was local agreement on the plan, then that plan took effect. If there was not local agreement, then the issue kind of defaulted to Department of Ecology to impose additional restrictions on exempt wells through a rule adopted by Department of Ecology. In the Nooksack Basin, there was not agreement and therefore adoption of the proposed plan. So it defaulted to Ecology, which adopted changes to its regulation for the Nooksack, which included that single domestic wells for new um, uh, homes that are built are limited to 500 gallons per day, plus an additional amount for outdoor water use. The statutory statewide limit is 5,000 gallons per day. The Nooksack limit on a per house basis is 500 gallons per day, which is typically more than adequate for what houses need for indoor domestic water supply, but that was adopted by Ecology because the local watershed group couldn't reach agreement on the plan itself. Right. And that, in a typical, just to put it in a context, a typical household usage, if you average it through the year, because there's more in the summer, less in the winter, in theory, uh, is what, 250, 250 gallons a day? Yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of variation around the state, but depending on, you know, the number of people and, and how much outdoor irrigation you have, indoor water use is typically estimated by health departments to be, you know, 50 to 100 gallons per day per person. And then so if you have, you know, two people, you might have 200 gallons per day of indoor water use. And part of the challenge in the different um, local plans that were developed, including in Whatcom County, is you also have to figure out the actual consumptive use of water, because if you have a well that withdraws groundwater, it's used in the house, then it goes into the septic system and it recharges the groundwater. The consumptive use, the amount that's actually lost, is much smaller than the amount that's withdrawn. Correct. So there was a lot of you know technical work to try to figure out exactly how much water is actually consumed versus the amount that's pumped and then returns mm-hmm. to the groundwater system. Well, I want to get to, so that we set the the tone, and I want to get um, go on in the next segment um, regarding where we are from what's called an adjudication standpoint and how that was funded by the legislation, what that means for us. But we have to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. My first lesson in hard work came from my dad, a union pipe fitter. He started his own business out of our garage when I was five years old. He didn't go to a four year college, but was able to support his family because he worked hard and because he had a great education through an apprenticeship. I'm Joe Timmons. And I'm running for the legislature because I believe everyone deserves the opportunity to succeed in our community. Before students leave high school, they should have enough career and technical education to access living wage jobs without having to go to a four-year college. Costs are rising, and families are struggling to afford food, gas, and housing. My own family's rent went up 35% last year, right here in Whatcom County. Healthcare costs are also way too high. That's why I want to work with both parties to lower costs for Washington families especially those high prices for prescription drugs. I'm the only pro-choice candidate in this race, and I am proud to be endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Women, not politicians, should make their own health care decisions. I'm Joe Timmons, and I ask for your vote. Paid for by Vote Joe Timmons Democrat. Want to win big? We're celebrating 50 years at Barron. Hi, I'm John Barron, owner of Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And I'm Brad Barron, fourth generation here at Barron. I'll never forget the tools in Dad's garage and the paperwork on Mom's table as our home became the beginnings of Barron Heating. Our humble start grew into the Barron of today, serving five counties and providing careers for over 200 families. Since 1972, customers have been the heart of our business. And today, those family values are put into every job we do. We love 
love this community and want to celebrate with savings on solar, generators, plumbing, air duct cleaning, and more. Plus, save 20% on services like annual maintenance as a Silver Shield member. And five people will win 5,000 Baron Bucks towards any Baron service or installation. Book through November 30th to be entered to win. From all of us at Baron, thank you. We look forward to serving you for the next 50 years. Baron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BaronHeating.com for details. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back to the Walk and Report. Mary Kay Robinson here is your host, and we're talking with Bill Clark, who is one of the preeminent water attorneys in the state of Washington. We're talking about water in Whatcom County. Now, Bill, in the last segment, we talked about the how we got to where we are today, kind of the history, the Hearst case, etc., and that, uh, unfortunately, the decisioning process for how we address water issues in our area was taken out of local control and now is with the Department, Department of Ecology. And the Department of Ecology is requesting that we have what's called an adjudication process. And I, I, think, I, I don't think that people understand exactly what that means and what it entails. Can you go over that uh, briefly for us? Yeah, sure. So the, you know, the Hearst issue, the decision, the legislation dealt only with exempt water, groundwater used by people for new homes, right? Um, the adjudication issue is a much broader issue that affects all water uses, all water rights, whether it's surface water or groundwater or small exempt uses at a single family house or a big irrigation or agricultural water right or water rights held by um, Whatcom PUD or City of Bellingham or City of Linden, and also water rights that will be claimed by Indian tribes, by the by the Lummi Nation and by the Nooksack tribe that are derived from their tree rights. And so what an adjudication does is it's a court process. It would be in Whatcom County Superior Court, and it determines whether anybody has a legal use of water, a legal water right, and then the quantity of that water right. And so Ecology over the last number of years has looked around the state at different basins. There are kind of 62 distinct watersheds within Washington state and has looked at where should a water rights adjudication uh, be filed as Ecology is wrapping up or ending the adjudication that's been in the Yakima Basin since 1977. Uh, Then they've concluded that, that they would like to file an adjudication in two areas. One would be the upper Columbia area. The second would be within the Nooksack Basin. And so the adjudication is basically a lawsuit that the state files as the plaintiff. All the water users within the basin are the defendants in that lawsuit. And what all water users have to do is file a claim in Whatcom County Superior Court to become a defendant in that case. If they don't become a defendant in the case, then ultimately they don't have any use in any right to use water. So one thing that I think I think you know major water users certainly municipal entities, um, larger agricultural water users, et cetera. I think at that level people are very aware of the decision by Ecology that they want to move forward with the water right lawsuit probably next year. I don't know how much other people are really aware of that and aware of the fact that they're going to need to file a claim in that lawsuit to become a party to the case. And if they don't, they will lose their legal right to water. Yikes. And if someone isn't really keeping up on this kind of stuff and, and kind of understanding what um, issues they may not know, and they could potentially lose their, their right to water. Yeah. And one thing that's it's really unclear right now in terms of how would an adjudication occur um, as to, for example, water rates for single domestic wells, right? So if you're a homeowner in rural Nooksack, you know, rural Whatcom County somewhere, you have a well, the well provides water for your house. Um, Will there be some sort of streamlined process to make that lawsuit easier for the homeowner? Does the homeowner's water use involve issues where that homeowner should hire their own attorney to represent them in that case? And then you get into issues like, you know, an adjudication typically looks at two kind of fundamental questions. Does the water user have a legal right to the water, meaning a water right permit, a water right certificate, or a water right claim that has been filed previously by that landowner? 
or is there an exempt use of water, which are typically the small uses of water under the groundwater code? Is it a legal use of water? Right? That's the first question. And then secondly, what's the quantity of water that's been used? And then what's the priority date of that use? Because Washington and other Western states are under the prior appropriation doctrine, meaning your right to use water is based on your priority date. The oldest water right gets their water first, and then the next oldest, and then the next oldest, et cetera. And if there's not enough water to satisfy a senior water right, then a more junior or newer water right loses its legal right to water. Um, and it raises, it will raise a lot of very complex questions, even I think at the homeowner level. Um, for example, you're in real estate. If you're a rural homeowner and you have a house with a well and you've been using water only for indoor water, right? But for whatever reason, you don't have a garden, you don't have an out, you don't have a lawn, you haven't been using outdoor water. Let's say your water use has only been 200 gallons a day for the past 20 years because you don't use water outside, but you have 10 acres, right? Um, a buyer of that house might look at that house and say, "Oh, that's a nice rural property. I'd love to buy that house." It'd be great to have a nice garden. It'd be nice to have a nice outdoor lawn. But the adjudication would determine the water rate for that property is based on the amount that that house has used for the past period of time, which under the scenario I'm talking about includes no outdoor water use, no lawn watering, no water for a garden. How does that play out for homeowners, for people that buy homes, for people that want to sell their home? Um, exactly what is ecology's position on those kind of issues? Um, that that remains to be seen. So there's a lot of questions, both, you know, for the at the at the smallest level for homeowners, um, but also at the biggest level for the biggest water use interests, which include, you know, the cities, agriculture, and the and the Indian tribes. Wow. So the the allotment would convey with the property. It's not well. I would use this. You would use that. It's like it's fixed. It, it's a fixed conveyance of that Correct. right to the yeah. next. To the next one. Now you mentioned Correct. the Yakima Basin um, uh, that they've just completed. That you said that started in 1977. 1977 was the start of what's called the Aquavella adjudication. Aquavella was um, alphabetically the first name of all of the of all the defendants in the case. So it's kind of referred to as Aquavella adjudication. Um, it started in 1977. It just kind of ended this year. It only dealt with. Um, surface water rights. It did not adjudicate or quantify any of the groundwater rights in the Yakima Basin, and it did not include any of the exempt wells, whether it's domestic wells for people's homes or stock water. Um, with that adjudication, in essence, wrapping up, that's what I think has led ecology to say, okay, where else would we go to adjudicate or, in essence, quantify water rights? And that's what's led them to the to the Nooksack Basin. So you're, they finish up with that, and they want, they're looking for the next project in a sense. Yes, in essence. Um, and the other thing to emphasize on the on the question of, of what happens after an adjudication, and you know, the Aquabella case lasted 45 years, a Nooksack adjudication, you know, on, on some level should be more efficient because the technology in the court system is better. Then again, you know, the Aquabella adjudication included about 5,000 different water users. The estimate in the Nooksack Basin is there would be about 20,000 water users Holy because smokes. you have so many you have so many exempt wells that would be included. Those weren't included in the Aquabella adjudication in Yakima. The other significant difference is in the Yakima Basin, major irrigation is provided by a number of large irrigation districts. So you'd have a single irrigation district that has water rights that will serve you know, 50,000 or 80,000 or 100,000 acres and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of farms within that irrigation district with a single water right owned by that irrigation district. In Nooksack Basin for agriculture, it's kind of each farmer for themselves, right? Each farmer has their own water rights, and it's up to that farmer to go to court to establish that they have a legal use of water and to quantify that use of water and to establish their priority date for water. So wow. it's, a, it's a much more decentralized structure for water rights in the Nooksack Basin than it is within the Yakima Basin. That's an interesting comparison. And I want to dive more. Uh, we're kind of finishing up this segment. I want to dive more into the, the quantification of water and some other things that go with adjudication. But we have to take a break and we'll be right back. Looking for vintage treasures and antiques? Bellingham Coin has got you covered. But did you know Bellingham Coin is also the prime place to go for precious metals? 
They pay top dollar for gold and silver, and there's never been a better time than right now to invest in silver to hedge against recession. The friendly staff at Billingham Coin will teach you how to invest wisely in precious metals for a future that shines a little brighter. Come find your hidden treasures by visiting us at the Bellingham Coin Shop on Cornwall Avenue in Bellingham and at BellinghamCoin.com. Ready to make your change, make a positive change in our community? Become a Lydia Place housing hero. Much like dropping your change into a piggy bank, your monthly donation to Lydia Place will provide much-needed support to families experiencing homelessness in Whatcom County by providing housing, education, and mental health counseling on their path to stability. And with the Lydia Place monthly giving programs, it's easier than ever for you to make an impact. Choose to donate $5 or more each month or register your credit card online to join their Roundup program, which rounds every transaction up to the next dollar donating the difference to Lydia Place's programs. No matter how you give, your monthly donation will provide emergency support to families in our community, and Lydia Place families will rest easier knowing your monthly contribution is something they can count on. Make your change add up and become a housing hero online at lydiaplace.org donate. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. A conservative take on issues important to Whatcom County and the Pacific Northwest. This sounds crazy that you're going to tell the schools you must do extra service for those kids with learning difficulties. But when it comes to especially gifted kids, we can't give them special classes because it doesn't include a sufficient percentage of kids of color. Yes, that's what's actually happening in Washington State. Lars Larson, noon to three each weekday on KGMI. This is Kathy Buckley, owner of Bellingham Athletic Club. It's been a crazy and challenging couple of years. We've been busy upgrading our facility, and our staff is excited to design a program to help you become your very best self. Come in today to get back on track toward your fitness goals. You'll be glad you did. Bellingham Athletic Club, where healthy isn't just a goal, it's a way of life. Located at 4191 Meridian Street, and find them online at bellinghamathleticclub.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report. Mary Kay Robinson here is your host, and we're talking all things water in Whatcom County with water expert attorney Bill Clark of Washington Realtors. Um, Bill, at the end of the last segment, we talked about you know the case adjudication, comparing and contrasting the Yakima Basin with the Nooksack Basin, and you mentioned something earlier about the uh, the lineage or or the order of water rights, and you said that the tribes. The Lummi and Nooksack tribes are first in line as far as from a treaty right standpoint. So from the treaty, do they get a percentage? Is it how much do they how much water are they allotted per treaty? How, do, how does that even work? Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a it's a fascinating area of water law and it's very uncertain. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Washington is a prayer appropriation state, meaning your right to water is based on your priority date or your first date of use. Um, for for any federal reservation of land, whether it's an Indian reservation or a federal military base or a national park, it's implied that when that federal reservation of land occurred, implied in that is a reservation of water sufficient for the purposes of the reservation. And so when, when water rights are adjudicated as to federal reservations of land, in, uh, whether it's Indian reservation or other um, federal reservations of land, courts will look at what was the purpose of that reservation of land and that how much water is necessary to effectuate the purpose 
of that treaty, and the priority date is the date the treaty was signed, which is in the 1850s for the for the Lummi Nations Treaty. Um, the second issue is the question of also is there an implied off reservation? There's an on reservation component. Is there is there an implied off reservation water right to support the fishing purpose of the Stevens treaties? Governor Stevens was the territorial governor when the treaties were entered into with the tribes in the 1850s. And and the biggest question I think in kind of water law in Washington State is to what extent is there an off reservation perhaps in-stream flow water right to support the fishing or salmon treaty purposes of those reservations? And then how is that quantified? Um, uh, it's very uncertain because there there have not been um, adjudications around the state where that question has really been answered. The other in-stream flow adjudication question is Department of Ecology has adopted an in-stream flow regulation that would have a priority date of 1985. That's the date they adopted the regulation. And it's basically a regulatory flow of what the minimum flow of the Nooksack River should be. That flow is not actually met by actual flows during most years, right? So this summer, for example, we had a super dry summer again throughout, you know, July, August, and September. When that flow is not met under the prior appropriation doctrine, water uses that are junior to 1985 or later than 1985 can be curtailed or shut off to benefit the senior water rate. And so theoretically, if you look at any water use in the Nooksack Basin that's junior to the 1985 in-stream flow rule, could be subject to curtailment or reduction or elimination when ecology's in-stream flow is not met after the adjudication quantifies all of those water rates. Exactly what you would do to prevent all of those water rates from being shut off, how you would buy water rates for mitigation or reduce that water use or how that would be enforced um, it's not exactly clear because, again, that's never been done anywhere in the state, and you've never had adjudication anywhere in the state that includes people's domestic wells for their homes. Right. Groundwater, yeah. Now, yeah. You, it, as far as you know, the water right, you have to establish what's there to allot the right. So how, how, do, we, how do we establish how much water we have because it's below ground and we don't necessarily know every – underground aquifer, and we share an international border with another, you know, Canada's right up north. How, yep. how do you do that? Um, and the the question of some of the transboundary issues with British Columbia are extremely complicated because you have issues like the Sumas River and water flowing from the Sumas River up into British Columbia. You've got some of the creeks in British Columbia that start in British Columbia that are then tributary and flow south into the Nooksack. How those transboundary issues would be addressed, that, that remains unclear. Um, in terms of quantifying the water, right, a lot of it depends on kind of a technical analysis of the amount of land that's being irrigated and an analysis of the consumption of water by those types of crops, right? So let, let's say, you know, create a hypothetical here. Let's say on a 40-acre parcel, you had a house and a barn and a shop that was on five acres, and then you had 35 acres of everybody's favorite crop in Wasson County, raspberries. raspberries right? yes. So you have 35 acres and raspberries that is irrigated under a water rate certificate that was issued by the state. And let's say that certificate for 40 acres, let's call it originally 40 acres of and two feet of water, let's say, per year, per acre, that would get you a maximum water rate on paper, at least, of 80 acre feet, right? So you'd file a claim. You'd say, I have this water rate certificate to irrigate 40 acres up to 80 acre feet per year of water. Then you would have to show how much water you actually used, right? And that could be shown by uh, photographs, by um, aerial images, by records of your pump, by a meter, by estimates, there's a crop irrigation guide that Washington State University produces that has kind of climatic stations around the state that says, if you're growing this type of crop near Linden, here's about how much water you should use, right? And so there are all these kind of technical bases to estimate actual water use. And so then you would put that evidence on before the court, and people can also challenge that evidence, right? If somebody said, hey, I've been irrigating 35 acres of raspberries since 1965, 
other water users could challenge that, just like you can challenge any you know assertion of fact in court and say, well, actually, I have evidence that says for 10 years there was no irrigation. And the reason I use that example of 10 years without irrigation is because if a water right is not used for five or more consecutive years, it's subject to relinquishment to the state, meaning that water right no longer exists. And so you also have the question in the adjudication of, having to show that there was not a five-year period of time when that water right was not used. Because if water rights have not been used, then they get subject to relinquishment, and you could come out of the water right adjudication without any water right at all. Well, and that's really important to homeowners. They say, well, there's a separate parcel here, and you could build. We just, you know, we just haven't used the well. We dug up, but we never did anything, and it's been sitting there for 10 years. They could lose that that well, that, that right. Yeah, and they're— there's some interesting questions, too, like on the homeowner front, because with the Hearst legislation, under that legislation, the the development of projects to offset that new exempt water use for the new house, it's, it's kind of – it's not exactly stated directly in the legislation, but there are projects in the future to offset the use of that new well, say a well that's drilled in the summer of 2022 for a house that was built this year, but – what about the well that was drilled in 1980? There is no program in place to offset or mitigate that well from 1980. Um, how do you deal with that well, or how do you deal with the well that is, you know, drilled in 1990 and it's junior to ecology's in-stream flow? Um, and that's, I think, one of the challenges with the adjudication is it raises so many legal questions that were not at issue in the Aquabella case, and they've not been at issue in any, you know, reported water aid decision by ecology or appeals to the Pollution Control Hearings Board or in courts, um, there's going to be a significant amount of litigation. And while the adjudication itself is in Whatcom County Superior Court, um, it will produce appellate court decisions throughout the, the, the period of the case. For example, the Aquavella case in Yakima resulted in six different appeals of distinct legal issues to the state Supreme Court over that 45-year period. So It'll take on all these questions that have never been dealt with before by the court systems on, you know, exempt wells for homes, for stock water, municipal water rights, tribal water rights, other issues like that. Wow, that's decades, decades of a legal process. Well, Bill, I want to um, wrap this segment up, and, and when we come back, I want to talk about what's another option. If we don't go through decades of legal uh, process to determine water rights, what's, is there an alternative? And we'll talk about that after this break. Al Ostrander here, retired law enforcement and small farmer. We all know life is getting expensive. Healthcare costs are out of control, and that's why Sharon Shoemake capped the price of drugs like insulin in our state. Sharon Shoemake isn't afraid to stand up to big corporations like tobacco and drug companies. Now they're spending record amounts on attack ads on TV and in your mailbox. Don't believe their lies. I trust Sharon Shoemake. She works for you and me, not the big corporations. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. Are you tired of eating bland-tasting shrimp from every other country besides the good old USA? 95% of shrimp consumed in this country come from overseas countries like China and India. Before you settle on imported shrimp, why not feed your family a quality product that supports hard-working American fishermen by ordering from U.S.-based processor Biloxi Shrimp Co.? With Biloxi Shrimp, there is a difference. Whatever type of shrimp you're craving for your cookout, cocktail, or family dinner, Biloxi Shrimp offers the highest quality wild-caught shrimp by experienced American shrimpers, direct from the Gulf Coast, out of the plant, and to your door. The owners, Mark and Jonathan, they've been doing this with family for generations. You won't be disappointed. Order from BiloxiShrimpCo.com and you will taste the love and heritage of the Gulf Coast in every bite. Here's a limited offer. Order today at BiloxiShrimpCo.com, enter promo code FLAVOR for 10% off your entire order. Do it today and you'll be hooked on Biloxi Shrimp. Relive your favorites every day on Bellingham's newest radio station, 98.9 and AM 930 KBay. Kick off your workday with a 9 a.m. music marathon. Over an hour of commercial-free classics. Hit after hit from your favorite artists all day, every day. And the broadcast sponsor of the Bellingham Bells. Listen live online, 98.9kbay.com. Join the fun and be a part of Bellingham's newest radio station, 98.9 and AM 930 KBay.
Welcome back to The Walk and Report. Mary Kay Robinson here is your host, and I'm talking with Bill Clark, who is one of the preeminent water attorneys in the state of Washington. We're talking all things water here in Whatcom County. Now, Bill, we've been talking about the adjudication process and determining water rights and holy smokes, you know, decades of legal process, the complications uh, with all these different surface water, groundwater. It, it's starting to make my head hurt. Um, is there is there another option than going through decades worth of a adjudication process and the time and energy and money that goes into that? Um. There are some options, right? And I think that's one thing that um, especially the agricultural community has looked at over the last year or so is, you know, there. it's very rare to have a water rights adjudication, right? The last one in this state started in 1977. Um, they're not very common in other states either. And when other states have had adjudications, they've never included things like all the private exempt wells, Right. What, what's become more common in some of the Western states is to pursue a comprehensive settlement of all water rights, including quantification of Indian water rights within that basin, right? And so other states similarly have – there's a body of, of case law in federal courts and state courts on how you quantify tribal water rights as well. And I think that's of interest to a number of water users within Whatcom County, in part because the federal settlement structure – um, would enable you to address not just the quantification of water rights, but other actual solutions to water issues in Whatcom County generally, right? I mean, Whatcom County is in this, you know, really tough spot where if you look at um, climate change projections, it's probably the most vulnerable basin in Washington state to climate change as you have less snowpack, bigger rain events, more flooding, and then lower flows during the summer. And that's all part of the same issue. And so while a water rights adjudication would quantify water rights, what it would do is over 30 years or so kind of, you know, define the scope of the problem. It wouldn't actually solve the problem. It just kind of quantifies it. Whereas a settlement, if you could get the parties to the table to discuss a water rights settlement, the federal government is very supportive of that approach because they want to make sure that the obligations that the federal government entered into with tribes under the treaties can be satisfied, you can include issues like preservation of habitat and flood management issues and preservation of farmland and infrastructure and things like that, water quality, for example. And so um, sometimes adjudications get filed and they get litigated for decades and decades and no settlement comes around. Sometimes parties get to the table realizing that the litigation itself is not going to really produce a beneficial outcome. And so they try to work on a settlement. There have been some recent ones in some of the other Western states that have been supported by, you know, significant amounts of federal funds for water resource infrastructure and storage that helps um, minimize flood damage, but it's also storage that can be used to augment in-stream flows for fish in the summer, and it helps with infrastructure and stuff like that. So I think, especially within the agricultural community, um, while it seems like ecology is is insistent on filing the adjudication what happens after they file it i think remains to be seen because there's so many legal questions about what happens next i think there's some hope that parties will work collab- collaboratively to come up with some solution to actually solve the problems and not just quantify them over the next you know 20 or 30 years now the the uh, yeah i mean spending decades defining a problem that we know we have um, it would seem to make sense to try and actually address and, and, as you said, create a benefit. Who who decides if that moves forward, the settlement? Who Who's who's involved in that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like any court case, a settlement typically involves the entities who are parties to the case, right? So you can think about um, – if an adjudication is filed, there's a court case created in Washington County Superior Court. Anybody who's a water user would at some point, and it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take just a week or a month. It'd take a period of a year or a couple years for all the water users to file their claims to become parties to that case. Then at least you know who the parties to that case would be. So if there is a settlement discussion, you know who's involved, right? And I think there certainly would have to be a way to group together certain types of water users for purposes of managing a case that big, right? I mean, it's estimated that there could be as many as 20,000 
water users that are included within that case. You know, it's a massive case for the Whatcom County Court to deal with. I think I know they're asking the legislature for, I think, about $2 million per biennium to fund just their court cost to, to manage a case of that magnitude. Yeah, I um, imagine. But I think the, the distinction to draw with a, with a water rate settlement that's enforceable because there's an adjudication is it's not just a voluntary agreement. It would ultimately result in a court order likely through the adjudication court and perhaps also federal legislation to ratify that settlement to signify that it satisfies federal obligations as well um, so that it's enforceable. And that's the I think that's an issue that is, you know, I think very important to the Lummi Nation is they want, I think, from from hearing them through the years, make sure that if there is an agreement, it's an enforceable agreement. It's not just a plan or a program. It's an actual enforceable agreement um, that the state can enforce, that they have the legal rights to enforce. And, you know, I can't, they can't overstate the significance of the Lummi Nation's legal position and the Nooksack tribe as well as to those federally reserved water rights. The other thing to, to keep in mind that uh, Whatcom County has put forward over the last couple of years is they put forward an idea on a kind of collaborative discussion on water resource issues as well that had a lot of interest. It didn't really get enough traction to move forward over the last year, but there's interest in it because, again, I think the county's role is interesting because they are looking at not just the water rate quantification issue, but the whole host of issues that's going on in the Nooksack Basin, including the loss of farmland that results in the loss of habitat, the really drastic impacts of the floods oh, the last floods. year oh. up and around Sumas. And, and, and is there a way to collaborate on a way that addresses the water supply and water rights issues, but also takes on, you know, habitat and farmland preservation and some of the flood issues? So, you know, there, there are ideas out there about how, you know, some of these issues could be worked on collaboratively, um, but exactly how that would come into play, I don't, I don't think that's clear to anyone yet. But it would take an agreement by the parties in the lawsuit. This is not something that the legislature could just mandate. It would have to be because that 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 ship has sailed in a sense that it would be the um, parties. Yeah, I don't know if the ship has sailed yet. I mean, one of the interesting things about a water ace adjudication is it's a lawsuit that's filed by Department of Ecology. It's not the, the legislature doesn't decide to file the lawsuit or not. That's an ecology decision. Um and so I think, I mean, ecology would have the ability, if it wanted to, to initiate some sort of structure to see if the parties to the case wanted to engage in a settlement discussion. That's up to ecology as the plaintiff in the case. Um, there could be a role for the legislature in that because I think there's a lot of um, interest in doing a better job in the Nooksack of funding, you know, all of the issues that are up there, right, whether it's water supply or water quality or, or flooding or loss of farmland and habitat, stuff like that. So there, there could be a role for the legislature, but, but the prime actor in this issue really is ecology because they're the ones that have the authority under current law right now to file the adjudication. Got it. Oh, complicated issue. Well, we'll be back in, in a little bit to kind of wrap up our conversation with Bill Clark, a local uh, state weather uh, attorney who's probably one of the best experts in this area of water law. And we'll be back after a break. Hi, I'm Dan Johnson running for state representative. With increased crime, the cost of living, and students falling behind, our state is heading in the wrong direction. This November, you decide where we go from here. As your next state representative, I will fix these issues. Instead of defunding police and releasing dangerous criminals from prison, I will support law enforcement and give them back the tools they need to keep dangerous criminals off the street. Rather than add more taxes that increase the cost of living, I'll vote to cut property taxes, sales tax, and the gas tax. If you hear this and think, I could sure use a break right now, I'm right there with you because you won't get this from my opponent. My opponent works directly for Governor Jay Inslee. We can't afford another two years of more anti-police laws, higher gas taxes, and more fees that add to the cost of living. If you want something different out of Olympia, you need someone who will vote differently in Olympia. I'm Dan Johnson, and I would be honored to be your next state representative. Paid for by Vote Dan Johnson. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. 
Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama. Online at westedgecu.org. In the shop, chip shortages, any components, the semiconductors cause new vehicles not to be able to be produced. U.S. car production fell 23% in 2020. Steve from Panacea, Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. John's, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. He was in having his oil change at the dealer, and they offered him more than he paid for the thing. 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report. Mary Kay Robinson here is your host, and we're finishing up our conversation about water in Whatcom County with Bill Clark, who is a water attorney and expert in that area. And Bill, I want to—we've covered so much today, and there's so many details. If someone really wants to do a deep dive on this and understand and get involved, where can they go? How can people learn and have their voices heard if they have some um, concerns? Yeah, I think a couple sources for that would be um, Department of Ecology, as I mentioned, would be the plaintiff to the lawsuit. They would decide to file the case or not. They have information on their uh, Department of Ecology website on the two locations in the state that they've identified for water right adjudications. Nooksack is one. You can look there. Um, The Whatcom Ag Water Board is the coalition of the six irrigation districts. They have information on their website. Um, that, that describes some of their thoughts on the adjudication process and the importance of trying to come up with a more collaborative process that really solves the problems and doesn't just um, quantify them. And and the other thing for you know the average water user, homeowner, small business owner, et cetera, is if an adjudication is filed um, at some point after that, ecology is obligated then to give legal notice to anybody who is a water user. So you would expect that for some period of time, people would get notice uh, via registered mail in the newspaper in a number of different forms, instructing them on how they would file, in essence, a claim in that litigation to become a party to the case. Um, if Ecology would file the the adjudication lawsuit, you know, sometime after you know 2023, 2024, there's probably a you know, period of time of a few months where people would get notice of that and they would have the opportunity to file a claim in court, et cetera. So um, it's not as if anything is going to happen like during the remainder of 2022. I think the question still remains, is there an alternative that has some of the enforceability aspects of an adjudication that's important to certain of the parties with some of the collaborative approaches to actually improve the water supply situation within Whatcom County? Um, That's something the legislature may consider. There are a number of budget requests by Department of Ecology, the court system, Whatcom County, uh, and others for funding related to the adjudication, but ultimately it's Ecology's decision on if they file the case or not. Wow. There's so much information. Bill, thank you so much. This is such a critical issue. Thank you for sharing all that with us this morning. You bet. Happy to be here, Mary Kate. Thank you. Great. And thank you, of course, listeners, for tuning in. Access to water is a critical issue for everyone in our county, and the decisions we make today will have long-term consequences for the years to come. It's important that we educate ourselves and stay involved. And remember that if you want to listen to this again, this broadcast will be available as a podcast by going to the KGMI website, the Whatcom Report, and click on the podcast link. Have a fantastic Sunday, everyone.